the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. This is World Communion Sunday, beloved, and upon this Sunday it has become our custom now over some years particularly to welcome into worship our international students, graduate and undergraduate at Boston University and other members of the international community who are in our midst and neighborhood. Also, we welcome again this year to our pulpit our university chaplain for international students, Dr. Jessica Chica, speaking to us under the mighty theme, Living Faith. This World Communion Sunday is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy for giving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Savior who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church we have not done your will, we have broken your law, we have rebelled against your love, we have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray, free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, that proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. And also. May we extend signs to one another of his peace. be seated. A lesson from the St. Paul's second epistle to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. 
I, rem I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God, the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immorta immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until the day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 37 with the antiphon. fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light, and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, 
If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later, you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They do so emphatically, enthusiastically, or perhaps fearfully. At the very least, we know that the translators ended this statement with an exclamation point. Increase our faith. In order to understand why the apostles would make such a demand, it's important to understand the context of this scripture passage. The lectionary lets us down a bit because it starts this scene in media res in the middle of the action. Jesus has already begun addressing the apostles when this week's reading from Luke starts. Immediately before their request for more faith, Jesus tells the disciples that they must not become stumbling blocks for others and forgive those who sin against them if they are repentant, even if those people repeatedly sin against them. The disciples draw a logical conclusion. If they are to be so forgiving, so full of love, then they must also have more faith. They in turn say, turn to Jesus and say, increase our faith. The disciples want to do better. They want to be Jesus's followers in the best way possible. To them, if only they could increase their faith, they would be able to follow Jesus's commands. They could heal more people. They could evangelize more effectively. They could care more love more, forgive more. They don't think that their faith is adequate to meet such demands. Whomever can forgive and forgive and forgive again must be someone who is brimming with faith. But Jesus points out to the apostles that it isn't a specific amount of faith that makes faithful actions possible. Faith the size of a mustard seed a very tiny amount of faith has the ability to do miraculous things. We can uproot a mulberry tree and plant it in the ocean. Mulberry trees infamously have very intricate and complex root systems, making them difficult to move. Also, Jesus says that the bush will be planted in the sea, not thrown into the sea, but planted where, one would assume, it would continue to grow. So not only would a mustard seed-sized <laughs> seed faith allow for the movement of something that seems immovable, but it also allows for its flourishing in a new place. This mustard seed-sized faith is very powerful. 
We all have moments when we think our faith can't be enough. Moments when we are faced with a task, an interaction, something that we don't think that we can do. Trust me, after years of slogging through academic work for a PhD, there were plenty of moments when I threw up my hands and exclaimed, I can't do it. We tell ourselves and others that if only we had more time, more experience, more confidence, we could do what is asked of us. Maybe we find ourselves in a place of fear about what is to come or what we don't know. We think ourselves incapable of finding the wherewithal to face an uncertain future or outcome. Doubt and fear are the opposite of faith. Fear prevents us from moving forward. Fear tells us that we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're incapable. The point that Jesus makes is that it's not the size of one's faith that matters, but how and whether it is used properly. One's faith is not a private matter. Faith in God is the foundation for all our interactions in the world. Faith is relational. Faith is a commitment. Faith requires trust and love. Faith that only resides within a person as a private means of belief in God, but that does not spur that person to action is like having no faith at all. Martin Luther reminds us that while we are justified by faith alone, sola fide, faith is never alone in practice. It must be accompanied by works of love. We must have an active, living faith if we are to follow Jesus. The task of the disciples and for all of us is to allow our faith to overcome our fears in doing what we need to do in the world. Sometimes also it's that our faith requires us to do things that we don't want to do. It's those things that we resist that feel too difficult. We fail to speak up in unjust situations. We avoid, avoid interaction with those with whom we disagree. We refuse to forgive because we don't think the other party is worthy of forgiveness. We live in a time when divisions run deep and instead of listening and trying to understand one another, we rush to judge or dismiss on the basis of who we perceive people to be. Our tendencies toward self-preservation and egoism prevent us from experiencing the empathy needed to genuinely share our faith with others. Jesus cautions against doing works in anticipation of reward with his set of sentences later in this reading, however. The actions we do through faith are what is expected of us. We should not anticipate special rewards for what what we are called to be and do in the world. Jesus' imagery may be jolting for us who live in a context which still suffers the consequences of a history of slavery to us, One person being enslaved to another is abhorrent. In Jesus' context, this was not the case. But the point that Jesus makes in his description of the slave and master relationship is that we should not expect special rewards or treatments for things that we are already expected to do. This language may be difficult for us to hear, especially depicted in the slave-master relationship, but it's important to recognize that the things that we do in faith are things that we ought to do. We may not be uprooting mulberry trees with our commands, but our faith guides every interaction we have on a daily basis. 
Today, we celebrate World Communion Sunday. In this yearly liturgical tradition, we recall how we are all joined together in the body of Christ, no matter our denominations, our backgrounds and cultures, or our places of origin. We join together in sharing Holy Communion. The act of communion of eating and drinking reminds us of our relationships with the Holy Trinity and the world around us. This week, preeminent Christian social ethicist, theologian, and church historian, Dr. Gary Dorian, gave the Lowell Lecture at BU's School of Theology. Dorian described how the field of social ethics within the Christian tradition did not exist prior to the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Social ethicists asserted that Christians must consider the social structures that create sin in the world and look for communal solutions to such problems. The Industrial Revolution created new challenges, including addressing factory workers' well-being and safety, child labor, and urban poverty. The realities of Jim Crow laws, segregation, and forced migration to reservations created an unjust society in which those who were perceived as an other conflicted with the Christian vision of a world filled with justice and righteousness. Focusing on the black and white social gospel movements of the early 20th century, Dorian also made mention of the growth of the ecumenical movement during this time period. Organizations such as the World Council of Churches, the Federal Council of Churches, which would later become the National Council of Churches, formed to provide statements aimed at shifting corrupt practices by corporations and building social welfare for all people. One thing that Dorian pointed out in his presentation is that instead of representatives from different denominations coming together to discuss theological ideas, such as the nature of God or the meaning behind the sacraments, they instead focused on how the Christian faith could actively address problems within their societies. The living faith of Christians brought them together to see past theological differences in the interest of assisting those in need. Joining together to create statements and movements for better pay, better working conditions, immigration reform, and racial justice was a unifying force that then led to deeper understanding between denominations. There's a, the result is that many of our mainline Protestant denominations in the United States now share full communion with one another, allowing for leadership, worship, and cooperation across theological differences. World Communion Sunday also developed out of the burgeoning ecumenical movements of the 20th century. Today, our relationships with the global community take a much different form than they did in 1933 when the first World Communion Sunday was held. We are more connected to our global neighbors. It is easier now to learn and observe how people around the world live, work, and experience the world. And yet, we still encounter some of the same challenges that the world experienced in 1933. Political rhetoric that alienates us from one another, the rise of nationalism throughout the world, and corruption and monopolization within corporations seem all too familiar for those of us aware of world history. Add on to those issues deteriorating ecosystems massive global economic inequality and increasing tensions between nations, and it might feel like our faith can do very little to address all of the challenges of the present moment. 
On a day like today, however, it is important for us to take a moment to reflect on what our faith requires of us. In the reading from 2 Timothy, we hear the letter writer identified as Paul encouraging Timothy to stay committed to his faith despite the challenges he might face. The faith Timothy shares with his mother and grandmother is not a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. We must also heed these words. While the global challenges we face today may seem insurmountable, our faith lived out through our actions of love grounded in Christ can lead us to create change and understanding in our world. I have hope, despite the fact that there are so many challenges facing us today. Maybe it's because I get to encounter future leaders from all over the world on a regular basis in my job. The next generation who is entering into their young adulthood now see the mistakes of the past and feel energized to address those problems. If you need proof of this, look no further than Nobel Peace Prize winner Malala, who fights for equal access to education regardless of gender, or climate activist Greta Thunberg, who addressed the United Nations in an impassioned speech two weeks ago, dreamer activists who continue to fight for immigration reform, or the students of Parkland, Florida, who organized the March for Our Lives gun reform activism that increased voter registration and turnout for the last election. It's important that many of these voices are from people under the age of 25. Their voices carry hopes for the future of our country and the world in which there is more justice and less violence, more care and less destruction, more acceptance and less ignorance. This week, Marsh Chapel will host a conversation regarding LGBTQ affirmation in the Korean church entitled, God Loves Me, period, a talk on queerness, Koreanness, and church. This is just one example in our midst of the next generation of the church seeking to affirm the dignity and well-being of all people. Moving forward, the church may, must also become more receptive to differences, finding opportunities to engage people of different faiths to create a just and sustainable world. United Methodist elder, artist, and author Jan Richardson offers a reflection for World Communion Sunday that reminds us of the gifts of coming together in community. On her website, The, Paint, the Painted Prayer Book, her poem, And the Table Will Be Wide, accompanies her artwork entitled The Best Supper, a play on words of the Last Supper. The image is of a circular table from above with people from all nationalities and one cat sharing a meal together. In the center of the table are loaves of bread representing different types found around, around the world. Some of the people depicted hold glasses of wine high, Others embrace their neighbors. Listen now to Richardson's words in And the Table Will Be Wide. And the table will be wide, and the welcome will be wide, and the arms will open wide to gather us in, and our hearts will open wide to receive. And we will come as children who trust there is enough. 
and we will come unhindered and free, and our aching will be met with bread, and our sorrow will be met with wine. And we will open our hands to the feast without shame, and we will turn toward each other without fear, and we will give up our appetite for despair, and we will know, we will taste and know of delight. And we will become bread for a hungering world, and we will become drink for those who thirst. And the blessed will become the blessing, and everywhere will be the feast. At God's holy table, we are all welcome, no matter where we come from. At God's holy table, there is enough to feed our spiritual needs. At God's holy table, we are able to free ourselves from those things that cause fear and trust in the power of the divine that permeates all. At God's holy table, we are reminded of the promises of Jesus and our commitments to enact our faith in the world. At God's holy table, our mustard seed faith germinates. Amen.
also with you. Lift up your hearts, lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You have made from one, from one every nation and people to live on all the face of the earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. He commissioned us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth and to make disciples of all nations. And today his family and all the world is joining at his holy table. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with your church throughout the world and strengthen it in every nation and among every people to witness faithfully in your name. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. Good morning. My name is Nick Rodriguez, and I'm the Ministry Associate for Outreach and Engagement. We welcome you once again to the nave of Mars Chapel and hope you'll take a moment to help us get to know you better so that we can help you get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. Today is International Student World Communion Sunday. The Mars Chapel Global Department will contribute some food to the covered dish lunch after the service. All are welcome to join us, and Boston University's international students are especially invited. On Thursday, October 10, at 5.30, there will be a talk on queerness, Koreanness in the church titled, God Loves Me, period. Join us downstairs as BU alums discuss the interactions between Korean identities and the LGBTQIA uh, community. Alum Andrew Cho will be the speaker. There will be a study retreat on next Saturday, October 19th. Join us for all or part of the day as you prepare for midterms and essays. In order to ensure that we have enough food, please sign up on the chapel website. For all other upcoming announcements, um, uh, services and activities, we would encourage you to keep an eye to the Mars Chapel website, bu.edu slash chapel, where you may find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us in offering and sacrifice to God.
for the work before us, the life within us, the fellowship among us, and thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Amen. <laughs> 